We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the sixth piece in Hilchus Tumas Meis. This is Perak Yerches Halacha Zion. And Rab Chaim is going to explain a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid in the case of a dead body in a tent that slopes downward. So he's going to go through both of their approaches, how they read the Mishnah and explain this Halacha. Now, because this piece requires a lot of background, before we read the actual language of the Rambam, I'm going to summarize the Rambam and the Raivid's differing approaches to this Mishnah. Because that will give us the context when we get into the actual debate to understand the details that they're arguing about. So the Mishnah in Olo says that in the case of a tent that slopes downward, so the basic halacha of Ohel is that in order for something to be considered a halachic tent, it requires a tefach of airspace. Now this tent does have a tefach of airspace underneath the whole tent, but at the bottom of the slope where it gets towards the ground, there's obviously very little airspace at the very bottom there. So technically, that does not meet the requirements of Ohel. So the Mishnah says three things about this case. Number one is it says that even though underneath the bottom part of the tent, there isn't enough airspace to be considered an Ohel, but since the overall tent has enough airspace, so it's all considered one unit, and the whole thing is considered an Ohel. So if there's a dead body under the slope, it would make the entire tent even in the middle of it Tameh. And if the dead body's in the middle, so even under the slope is Tameh. Then the Mishnah makes a distinction between inside versus outside the tent. That if there's a dead body inside the tent and somebody touches the fabric of the tent on the inside, so they would be tame for seven days, meaning they have the full Tomas mace. It's as if they came in contact with a dead body because the roof of the tent is over a dead body. But if someone touches the outside of the tent, they only have a one day Tuma because that's considered a secondary Tomas mace. It's not the full seven days, it's just a one-day tumah, and when the sun goes down that day, they're purified. And vice versa is also true. If there's a dead body touching the outside of the tent, so someone who touches the outside of the tent is going to be tummy for the full seven days, but someone who touches inside of the tent is only tummy that day. So this is an unusual distinction because in general, if a vessel becomes tummy, it doesn't matter whether the person touches the inside or the outside, regardless of where they touch, it's tummy. Then the Mishnah continues with the third rule that if there's half an olive size of a dead body outside the tent and half of an olive size inside, so there isn't a full measurement in one location, but between the two, if we combine the part outside the tent and the part inside the tent, that would create a full measurement. So the Mishnah says that whether the person touches the outside of the tent or the inside of the tent, they are tamay, but it's only for one day. So there's no full seven-day tumma, but there is a lower level of tumma, which is a one-day so those are the three rules of the Mishnah. Now, there's two totally different ways to understand this between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam understands that this Mishnah is based on a halacha called cherev harehu kechalal, that a sword which touches the dead body, the sword has the status of Tumah as if it was the dead body itself. So this is different than how Tumah generally works. The general way that Tumah works is the first object of Tumah is called the Av HaTumah, the father of Tumah, and then anything that touches it becomes Tameh in descending order. So whatever touches the actual Tumah becomes a first Tumah, whatever then touches that becomes a second Tumah, and it keeps going down. Now when it comes to a dead body, it's called Avi Avos HaTumah. It's a stricter level that the dead body is considered more powerful so that anything which touches it is itself considered an Av HaTumah. So it itself becomes like a full Tameh object, and whatever touches that becomes a first level 
level, etc. So it adds an extra level to the whole Tuma process because there was a dead body. Cherev Harehu Kechalal introduces another stringency that a sword that touched the dead body is not considered an Av HaTuma, but it itself assumes the even higher level of Avia Vos HaTuma. So it has the added level of being like the dead body itself that anything that touches it becomes an Av HaTuma. So the Rambam understands that this is the concept the Mishnah is discussing. The tent in this case is like the sword. It doesn't have to be a sword. It could be any vessel that touches the dead body. So in this case, the tent is the vessel that comes in contact with the dead body because it's an ohel over the dead body. So the tent now becomes a full toma. So anyone that touches the tent, it's as if they came in contact with the dead body itself. So according to the Rambam, the dead body no longer needs to be in this tent in this case because even if it was there previously and then removed the tent still remains with the status of it's still as tame as the dead body so the whole issue would be relevant so according to the Rambam the case of the Mishnah could be even after the dead body was removed from the tent now the question on the Rambam is why should there be a difference between if the person touches inside the tent or outside the tent because that's not a distinction we find in any other vessel so according to the Rambam, the distinction here is because we consider the back of the tent to be a different vessel based on the rules of Ohel. Just like an Ohel blocks the Tumah from going further beyond the roof, so too the Ohel blocks the back of the tent from being considered an original source of Tumah. It's considered a secondary source of Tumah. So whoever touches it is protected on some level and they get a lower form of Tumah. So even though the laws of Ohel are a stringency when it comes to the dead body, but there's also an element of leniency because it prevents the tumma from continuing onwards. So anyone that's standing on top of the roof won't become tame through ohel, as well as someone who touches it is protected and they end up with a lower form of tumma. Now the Ravid has a whole different read of this Mishnah with a totally different context. He understands that it's talking about tumma bechiburin, which is the standard form of tumma that if someone comes in contact with a dead body, either by touching it or by carrying it or being in the same room as it, so any of those forms of connection transfer the Tumah to the person and they become tame. So according to the Ravid, that's what we're discussing in this case. So it's referring to where the body is still in the Ohel. Now the question is, why is there a difference between touching the inside or touching the outside? So the Ravid explains that we're dealing with an unusual case where some part of the Ohel got flapped over. So that's what the Mishnah is saying. It's still tame the full seven days even though that little flap is not facing inwards anymore, it now flipped over and the person is touching it on the other side. But since it's technically part of the inside of the tent, so if someone touches it, they're tummy for seven days, as opposed to touching the actual outside of the tent where they're only tummy for one day. And the reason is, says the Ravid, because the whole point of a tent is for the inside of it. There's nothing to do with the outside of a tent. So that's why it's a little different than other vessels where there might be more use for the outside of it as opposed to a tent where there's no use for the outside. So that's why it's a lower form of Tuma. So those are the overall sketches of how the Rambam and the Ravid understand this Mishnah. And that will give us the context to go through Rab Chaim's piece. 
The Rambam writes, Kol ohalim, the slope of a tent, hatuma mitocha shipua hanogea bo mitocho tomei tumas shiva, hanogea bishipua meacharav tomei tumas erev. If there's a dead body under the slope, the bottom area of the tent, so if someone touches inside of that area, they're tomei for seven days, and if they touch the outside of the tent, then they're tomei for one day. And the Rambam explains why there's a difference. Nasa hashipua meacharav kiiluhu klishin naga ohel. We view the outside side of the slope area of the tent as if it's another vessel that touched the ohel. So the ohel is the first toma, and now this is a different vessel, even though it's the same fabric, it's just the outside of the fabric, but according to the Rambam, we divide it halachically. The inside is considered the first vessel, the outside is considered another vessel, so it downgrades the level of toma, and anyone that touches the outside level has a lower level, so they're only tame for one day. So the Rambam very clearly interprets the case of the Mishnah, where there's a dead body in the tent, as referring to a dead body under the slope of the tent, not in the middle, higher part of the tent. So according to the Rambam, the second case of the Mishnah that differentiates between touching inside the tent versus touching outside the wall is building on the first case that said it's the same halacha, whether the dead body is under the slope or the inside part of the tent. Either way, the whole tent becomes Tameh. And now the Mishnah is building on that and saying if there's a dead body under the slope part of the tent, so touching the outside of that slope area only creates Tumah for one day. Then the Rambam rules vice versa, that if there's a dead body on the outside area, so touching the outside area is Tameh for seven days. Someone who touches inside of that same area is only Tameh for one day. And then the Rambam records the last case that if there's a half a zayas, a half a measurement of a dead body on either side, so whichever side the person touches, either inside or outside, they're only Tameh for one day. But the Ohel itself is then Tameh for seven days. So that's the Rambam's rulings based on his interpretation of the Mishnah. Now the Ravid disagrees and he asks us simple question on the Rambam. According to the Rambam's explanation for the difference between the inside or the outside of the tent, that we consider the outside like a second vessel, we differentiate between the two sides of the fabric. So why is it necessary to say that the case of the Mishnah is talking about where there's a dead body under the slope of the tent? It would be the exact same halacha if the dead body was under the middle of the tent. The same thing would apply, that the inside part would be considered the first vessel and the outside part would be considered a second vessel. So according to the Rambam's own way of understanding this distinction, there's no reason to limit the case to where the dead body is under the slope of the tent and not when it's in the very middle of the tent. But either way, the Ravid doesn't like this whole interpretation, so he offers a different one. And he says that there are two basic forms of transmitting Tumah. There's Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, that the vessel that touches the dead body has the same status of the dead body. And that was the basis for the Rambam's interpretation of the Mishnah. And then there's Tumah Bechiburin, that someone that comes into contact with a dead body or someone who's Tameh through a dead body also becomes Tameh. So the Torah said that there are certain ways that Tumah is transmitted, again, through touching, through carrying, through being in the same room. And in those situations, the Tumah continues to be transmitted. And the paradigm case of Tumas Mace is when a person comes into direct contact with the dead body itself. So the Ravid says that's the context for this Mishnah. It's dealing with the paradigm 
paradigm case of Tomas Mace, when there was a dead body in the tent and the person touched either the outside or the inside. So the Mishnah differentiates between those two cases because if he touched inside the tent, that's considered a real chibur, a real contact with the dead body. So he has a seven-day Tumah. But if he touched outside, that's not technically chiburin because there is a separation between him and the dead body. So that's only a one-day Tumah. And the Raivid adds that the Mishnah is including even if some part of the tent flapped over. So technically it's the inside of the tent. But at this point it's facing outward and the person touches it. They're still tummy for seven days because that's considered chiburin. Only if the person touched the actual outside of the tent is that considered a separation from the body and it's only a one-day Tumah. Now, even though this is different from other vessels, generally we don't differentiate between inside the vessel or outside. If the vessel is Tumah, the whole thing becomes Tumah. So the Ravid explains the reason a tent is different is because it's only made for inside of the tent. There's no use for the outside part of the tent. So that's why touching the outside is considered a separation from direct contact with the dead body and the person's only Tumah for one day. And vice versa is also true. If the dead body was on the outside of the tent, then touching the outside is considered chibur and it's a direct contact with the Tumah and the person's Tumah for seven days. But touching inside is not direct. There's a separation. So the person's only Tumah for one day. And then the Ravid goes to the last case if there's a half a Zayas on either side of the tent. So then touching either side is not considered chiburin because neither side has a full measurement. So the person's only Tumah for one day because it's not considered direct contact with the dead body, there's a separation. But the Ohel itself is Tame for seven days because the Ohel does have direct contact with a full amount of the measurement combining the two of them together. So that's the Ravid's explanation of the Mishnah based on a very different context than the Rambam. So Rab Chaim's going to analyze each of their approaches and explain some of the underlying debates. He begins by pointing out that the debate between the Rambam and the Ravid is what is the basis for the rule in this Mishnah. According to the Rambam, it's based on Cherev Harehu Kechalal, that the vessel becomes like the dead body, whereas according to the Ravid, it's based on the rule of Chiburin, that something that's in direct contact with a mace is Tameh. So Rab Chaim points out that this is a long-standing debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. Earlier in Hilchus Tumas Mace, hey, Gimel, as well in Hilchus Nazir's Parag Zion, the Rambam holds that the rule of Cherev Harehu Kechalal applies to all vessels, even if they're not metal. So it's clear that even though the phrase means that a sword is like the dead body, but it applies even to vessels which are not swords, but it could be limited only to metal vessels, which are like a sword that's made out of metal. But the Rambam holds that it's a broader application. That principle applies not only to metal, but to any vessel. So that's why the Rambam applies it in this case of a tent, even though it's a fabric, it's not a metal, but according to the Rambam, it's still included in Cherev Harehu Kechalal. The Raivid, though, disagrees with the Rambam, and he keeps saying that Cherev Harehu Kechalal applies only to metal vessels. So he agrees it doesn't only apply to swords, but it does only apply to metal vessels, which are like a sword, but it does not apply to other non-metal vessels. So according to the Raivid, that whole concept wouldn't apply to a tent, which is not made out of metal. So that's a simple reason why they have 
to disagree in this case because the Ravid cannot accept the Rambam's explanation that the tent is a cherev harehu kechalal because according to the Ravid that would not apply to a fabric. So the Ravid has to explain it based on tumah bechiburin that since there's a dead body currently in the tent, so the tent is an ohel and that's why it's tameh. But after the body leaves, it would no longer be tameh because of the rule of cherev harehu kechalal. So that's a simple point which leads to this new debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. Now, as we saw, one of the big issues here is why there should be a difference between outside the tent versus inside when we don't differentiate that way when it comes to other vessels. So the Ravid explicitly answered this, that since a tent is made only for use inside, on the outside there's nothing to do with it, so that creates a separation between the dead body and someone that touches it on the outside. So that's why they're Tameh for only one day. But Rab Chaim points out that this explanation only works according to the Ravid's approach, that the issue is whether there was direct contact with the dead body. So now his logic that since the tent is only built for inside use, the outside is considered a separation makes sense because the person who touches the outside did not have direct contact with the part of the vessel that's being used. But according to the Rambam, that this is based on Cherev Harehu Kechalal, that the tent itself becomes a vessel of Tumah, so it shouldn't matter if it's made for inside use. Even if the person touches it outside, the whole tent is Tameh, so touching it outside, they should still be Tameh for seven days. So the Ravid's logic only fits into his approach, but for the Rambam, we need a different explanation to differentiate touching inside versus is touching outside. So we need to say somehow that touching outside is considered a different vessel. So even though the tent itself becomes Tameh, that's only the inside part, but the outside part is considered a different vessel. And that's in fact what the language of the Rambam itself says, that outside of the tent is considered a secondary vessel to the inside part. It's like we view the fabric as if it's split in half. And that's the explanation for why touching outside is a lower level Tumah, because it's considered a a secondary vessel different from the inside part of the tent. Now, the logic for this could be like the Ravid, that since the whole use of a tent is inside, so the outside part is considered a different vessel. So we could take basically the same idea of the Ravid, but formulate it differently in the Rambam. Not that it's a separation between the person and the dead body, but it's a separation between the inside and the outside parts of the tent that they're considered different vessels. Or, says Rab Chaim, that might not work, because the idea that the tent is built for inside use might only work in the Ravid's approach where the question is whether the person had direct contact with the dead body but in the Rambam's approach where the whole vessel itself becomes Tameh it might not make a difference whether it was made for inside use or not. Even so, the whole tent including the outside part is Tameh. So says Rab Chaim, there's a different logic which is the inside part of the tent is a chatzitza, it's a block that protects the outside part from becoming Tameh. So even though the tent itself became Tameh, but the inside part is a barrier that protects the outside part from becoming Tameh. Or alternatively, you could say this a little differently, that the tent itself protects the person from getting the full toma on the outside. So touching the outside is protected on some level by the tent that the tumah doesn't come through, so the person is only Tameh for one day. So that's the reason why there's a difference between the outside and the inside. They're viewed as two different vessels, such so that even though the inside part of the tent is fully Tameh, it doesn't transmit to the outside fully. So that's how the Rambam understands this distinction that the outside part is considered a second vessel. And that's the approach of the Rash in his commentary on the Mishnah and all. 
Poalos. So there is this tradition of the Rambam and the Rash who understand this Mishnah as differentiating the inside and the outside part of the tent, that it's considered two different vessels. Now the Ravid disagrees with that because he says that you can't split within the tent itself. Once we say that the vessel of the tent is itself Tameh, so then there can't be a distinction between the inside and the outside. So that's why the Ravid says the issue can't be Cherev Harehu Kechalal, it must be Tumah Bechiburin. So the question is whether this person came into direct contact with the dead body, and then we could differentiate between inside the tent versus outside, because there is a separation between the person and the body. So that's the Ravid's approach, different from the Rambam and the Rash, that the issue is whether there was a barrier between this person and the dead body. But now Rab Chaim asks that there seems to be a part of this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid that seems irrelevant to the whole discussion so far. Because the Rambam said that the case of this distinction between outside or inside the tent is talking about where the dead body is under the slope of the tent. And the Ravid asked, why can't it be in the middle of the tent? Now the Rambam's language comes directly from the Mishnah and the Kesef Mishnah quotes that the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah points out that the language of the Mishnah indicates that the second case is talking about where the dead body is under the slope. So it's building on the first case which introduced the idea of a dead body under the slope, making the whole tent Tameh. So the Rambam is just following the lead of the Mishnah in this regard. So what's the Ravid asking questions on the Rambam when he's literally just quoting the Mishnah? Second, says Rab Chaim, what does this issue have to do with the overall debate between the Rambam and the Ravid? The issue of whether the dead body is under the slope or under the main part of the tent seems totally unrelated to this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid, whether the basis of this Mishnah is Cherev HaReu Kechalal or Tumah Bechiburin. So why is the Ravid bringing in this unrelated issue with the language of the Rambam? So Rab Chaim explains that in fact this issue is related to the overall issue because there's the case the Ravid brings up where a small part of the tent flaps over and it's now facing outside. So according to the Rambam's approach that we're dealing with Cherev HaReu Kechalal and the reason the outside is a lower level Tumah is because there's a Chatzitza, there's a break between the inside part of the tent and the outside part of the tent. So the only part of the tent that becomes full Tameh is the part that was actually over the dead body. But a part that flapped over and was not included in the Ohel over the dead body is in fact not fully Tameh because the Chatzitza of the tent breaks between the Ohel Tumah and the part that flapped over, which is facing outside. So it has a lower level of Tumah. So according to the Rambam's approach, if someone touched that outside flap, they would only be Tameh for one day. Whereas according to the Raivid, that this is based on Tumah Bechiburin, so then the reason there's a difference between the inside and the outside part of the tent is because the tent is built to be used inside, so that's the part which is considered connected to the dead body. So according to the Raivid, if a part of the tent flaps over and a person touches it, that's still a part of the inside of the tent. Even though right now it flapped over and it's facing outward, but since it was made originally to be part of the inside of the tent, so that's considered direct contact with the dead body, and the person is Tameh for seven days. Only touching the actual outside of the tent, which was not made for use, is considered a separation, and the person's only Tameh for one day. So there is going to be a practical distinction between the Rambam and the Ravid in this case where some part of the tent flapped over and the person touched it. According to the Rambam, that's considered touching the outside part of the tent, Whereas according to the Ravid, that's considered touching the inside part of the tent. So that's now exactly the issue that the Ravid is raising.
speaking against the Rambam. According to the Ravid's interpretation, we can understand why the Mishnah had to focus on a case where the dead body is under the slope of the tent. Because it's trying to include the case where a part of the tent flapped over on the bottom at the sloping area. And even so, if the person touches it, they're still tummy for seven days. So that's the point of this Mishnah. So that's why it locates the dead body under the sloping part of the tent because that's where it would flap over. And the Mishnah is saying, even so, the person who touches the flapped over part is tame for seven days. But according to the Rambam, that touching the flapped over part is only tame for one day. So what's the point of locating the body in this case under the slope? The body could be anywhere. It could be in the main part of the tent and the same exact halacha would apply. Because there's nothing being added according to the Rambam's interpretation about this flapped over part of the tent. Whereas according to the Ravid, the Mishnah is telling us something important about the flapped over part that it's still Tameh. So that's why it has to tell us specifically when the dead body is under the sloped part. So now what is the explanation for this question according to the Rambam? Why in fact did the Mishnah specifically say the case when the dead body is under the slope? So Rab Chaim explains that there are two rules when it comes to an Ohel. One is that it permeates the Tumah throughout the area. And the second is that it blocks it from going further. So according to the Rambam, the first part of this Mishnah is telling us that the rules of permeating Tumah are the same whether it's in the main part of the Ohel or in the sloped part. It doesn't matter. The Tumah permeates throughout. And then the second case of the Mishnah teaches us that the second part of this Halacha, that the Ohel blocks the Tumah from going further, also applies to the sloped area because that's the very basis of this Halacha according to the Rambam. The reason touching it outside is a lower level of Tumah is because it is a Chatzitza. It's a block from the Tumah going from the inside to the outside. So the second part of the Mishnah teaches us that that concept of an Ohel blocking the Tumah applies not only to the main part of the Ohel, but even to the slope. And once we derive that Halacha regarding the slope, we ourselves can infer that it applies to the main part of the Ohel because we know that the rules of Ohel are equivalent for the slope part and the main part. So once we see that the slope part blocks the Tumah and touching the outside is only Tameh for one day, so we understand that the same Halacha applies if there's a dead body under the main part of the Ohel. If someone touches the outside part, they're only Tameh for one day. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation of the Rambam and the Ravid's differing readings of the Mishnah and some of the factors behind how they arrived at their interpretations, as well as how they each make sense of these first two cases in the Mishnah. Now Rab Chaim continues to the third and final case, which is if there's a half a measurement of the dead body on either side of the Ohel. So the rule is that anyone that touches either the inside or the outside is only Tameh for one day, meaning the lower grade of Tumah. But the Ohel, the tent itself, is Tameh the full seven days. So Rab Chaim points out that this is very difficult according to the Rambam's approach because since the tent itself is a barrier, it blocks the Tumah from traveling through it. So the actual Halacha in this case should have been that the person is totally Tahor. There should not be Tumah at all, even the lower level, because since the tent is a barrier between the two half measurements of Tumah, it's preventing them from combining. So there should be no Tumah whatsoever, not for anyone that touches it, and not even for the tent itself. Because the tent itself is a barrier which is preventing these two different half Tumahs from combining. So there should be no Tumah whatsoever in that case. As opposed to the interpretation of the Ravid, which could make sense of this, because according to the Ravid, the tent prevents the person from 
coming into direct contact with the dead body. So that's true in this case as well. A person who's on the outside or the inside is not coming into contact with the full measurement of the dead body. So that's why they have a lower level of Tumah. But the tent itself, which is coming in contact with both halves of the Tumah, so it does have direct contact with the full measurement of the Tumah. So that's why the tent is fully Tameh. And the people who then touch the tent are having indirect contact with the full measure of Tumah. So that's why they're Tameh for one day. It's a lower level of Tumah. So the Ravid's interpretation explains very nicely this last case of the Mishnah, why if there's a half a measurement of Tumah on either side, the tent itself is fully Tameh, and someone who touches it on either side is only partially Tameh. But according to the Rambam, that the tent is a barrier that breaks between the Tumahs traveling further, so there should be no Tumah at all, because the tent should prevent the two halves of Tumah from combining and creating any Tumah at all. And Rab Chaim adds that this may be why the Ravid explains this case of the Mishnah in his critique of the Rambam, because he's trying to point out that according to his interpretation, this works, but according to the Rambam, there's a question from this case. So to explain the Rambam's reading of this last case of the Mishnah, Rab Chaim makes a very brilliant point, that there's a basic difference between this last case and the earlier cases. In the earlier cases, we're discussing a person who touched the tent, whether that person is Tameh. So that person only had indirect direct contact with the dead body. In this case, we're talking not only about the person, but also about the tent itself, which directly touched the dead body. So that means there's an added component to this third case, which is not only Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, which we've been discussing in the earlier cases as well, but also something which directly touches a dead body. So there's two components to the Tumah in this case. One is that something which touched a dead body is Tameh, as well as Says Rab Chaim, the whole distinction that the Rambam made between the outside and the inside part of the tent, that they're two different vessels and there's a separation between them, that only applies to the halacha of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. So when we come to discuss whether someone that touched the tent is considered to have touched a vessel that has the same status as the dead body itself, there we differentiate that the inside of the tent and the outside of the tent are two different vessels and the Tumah does doesn't transfer from inside to outside equally. But that only applies to the cherev harehu kechalal halacha. When it comes to the other component of this halacha, that the tent itself touched the dead body, there there's no distinction between the inside and the outside. We don't view them as two different vessels. We view the whole thing as one vessel. So that explains why, according to the Rambam, even though in the earlier halachas he differentiated between the inside and the outside of the tent, that it's considered two different vessels, that's with regards to someone touching it, whether it's considered the same status as the dead body itself. But in this halacha, he's discussing the tent itself, which touched both halves of the dead body. So that's not an issue of cherev harehu kechalal. It's an issue of touching the dead body itself. So there the Rambam agrees that there's no differentiation between the inside and the outside. It's all one vessel, and that's why the whole tent is tameh.
And now someone who touches this tent had indirect contact with the dead body. Now there's a full measurement of that Tumah. So that person has a lower level Tumah of one day. So this explains the ruling of the Rambam in this case, even though he's been saying that there's a difference between the inside and the outside of the tent, that's only in the Cherev Harehu Kechalal component. But when it comes to actually touching the dead body, that distinction falls off. And that's why there is Tumah created in this case with the two halves of the Kazayis on either side of the tent. And Rab Chaim says it's not a problem to say that the Cherev Harehu Kechalal versus touching the actual Tumah work differently because even though they basically sound the same to us, they're both coming in contact with the dead body. But since the Torah formulated these two different tracks, so it's possible to say that they have differences in the details between them. So when it comes to Cherev Harehu Kechalal, we view the two sides of the tent as two different vessels. But when it comes to touching the dead body, we view both sides as one big vessel. Or alternatively, Rab Chaim proposes another approach to explain why in this case, according to the Rambam, there's Tumah created from these two separated halves. And we don't say that the tent wall is a barrier to prevent the Tumah from traveling through. So Rab Chaim says that there are two ways to formulate why, according to the Rambam, the outside of the tent does not become fully Tumah. It's considered like a secondary vessel. And Rab Chaim already said this quickly earlier, but here he elaborates on it more. The first way to formulate this is that the tent is a barrier. It prevents the outside from being considered part of the ohel that it was over a dead body. So basically the inside of the tent protects the outside. The only reason the outside side of it is tummy is because it touched the inside. So it's like a regular case where there's two vessels, one is tummy and one is not, and they touch each other. So the tumma is transmitted, but at a lower level. So the same is true within the fabric of the tent that the inside becomes tameh. It protects the outside from being part of the ohel, but since the outside touched the inside, so it too becomes tameh, but at a lower level. Alternatively, you could say that the inside prevents the tumah from traveling towards the outside. So it's not that the inside protects the outside, it's that the inside prevents the tumah from going further. So that's why the outside has a lower level of tumah because there's a barrier between the tumah and it, which is the inside part of the tent. So that's Rab Chaim's two formulations for how to explain this idea of the Rambam that the inside and the outside of the tent are considered two different vessels, either because the inside protects the outside from being considered an ohel, or because the inside prevents the Tumah from traveling to the outside. So Rab Chaim questions both of these formulations because the second one he says is problematic because where do we ever find such an idea that an ohel prevents the Tumah from proceeding to the other part of the ohel? In other words, an ohel can prevent Tumah from progressing further so someone that's on the roof won't become Tameh. But in this case, the outside of the tent was also part of the ohel over the dead body. So why should the inside part of the tent protect it itself, the outside part of it, from being part of the Ohel, and it prevents the Tumah from going there, when in fact the outside part of the tent was a part of the Ohel. So it should also be Tameh. 
So that's the question on the second formulation. And on the first formulation, there's a similar question, which is what does it matter that the outside part of the tent was not directly in ohel over the dead body since the inside part was in ohel, so it became tameh. So the whole thing should be tameh. We don't need every part of the ohel to be over the dead body. Once a part of it becomes tameh, the whole thing becomes tameh. So the same should be true with the inside and the outside. Once the inside becomes tameh, the whole thing should become tameh. So basically, Rab Chaim questions both of these formulations because they both seem far-fetched that we're differentiating between the inside and the outside, that the Tumah does not proceed from inside to outside. So Rab Chaim explains that according to the Rambam, the reason for these unusual details is because we're not dealing with a normal case of Tumas Ohel, where we would say that if part of the roof became Tame, the whole thing became Tame. We wouldn't differentiate between the inside and the outside sides. But here we're dealing with Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. The basis of the whole Tumah in this case, according to the Rambam, is the concept of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, and that works with different parameters. In order to apply Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, there needs to be direct contact with the dead body. So for that, the inside and the outside are differentiated, and we're able to say that the inside part protects that the outside part does not become fully Tameh. Meaning, when it comes to the rules of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, there is a distinction between the inside and the outside parts, and we apply this concept that the inside part protects the outside part. Even though that's not true in general for Tomas Ohel, but for Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, there is this unusual distinction that only something which had direct contact with the dead body, like the inside of the tent, that's fully Tameh, but the outside of the tent is considered a secondary form of Tumah, it's a different vessel, so that's why we view it like a vessel which came in contact with a Tameh vessel, which is in this case the inside part of the tent. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation, why we're applying these unusual details, because the whole thing is based on Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. So now that we understand that, returning to the Rambam, we can explain why in the case where there's a half a measurement of a dead body on either side of the tent, the tent itself becomes fully tummy for seven days because we only apply this concept that the tent is a barrier to prevent the tumma from going further in the realm of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. But it doesn't actually prevent the tumma from going from the inside to the outside. So in this case where the tent is touching both halves of the dead body, the tumma goes all the way through and the tent becomes fully Tameh. And anyone that touches it is a secondary level of Tameh because they didn't come in direct contact with the dead body. But this explains why there is Tumah for the Rambam and the tent doesn't prevent the two halves from combining together because when it comes to the Tumah of touching, the two sides do travel through the tent. Only for Cherev HaRehu Kechalal do we need direct contact and through the tent that doesn't happen. So now that we got to this point, Rab Chaim adds that earlier he developed a debate between the Ravid and the Rosh as to why the outside of the tent doesn't become Tameh from the dead body inside of it. The Ravid explained because the tent is built for use inside. So we view the outside of the tent as a separate entity because it's unusable. And the Rosh explained because there's a Chatzitza, the 
tent itself blocks the Tumah from going from the inside to the outside. So originally, Rab Chaim had argued that the Rambam must follow the interpretation of the Rash because the Ravid's explanation doesn't fit into the concept of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. What does it matter whether the tent is for inside or outside use? Either way, the whole thing became Tameh. So the Rambam must hold like the Rash that there's a separation between the inside and the outside because the tent itself blocks it. But now, says Rab Chaim, now that he refined the view of the Rambam, and it turns out that there's actually two different components. There's the actual touching the Tumah, and then there's the Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, and only when it comes to Cherev HaRehu Kechalal does there need to be direct contact, not for the touching of Tumah. So now, says Rab Chaim, the Rambam could fit in even to the Ravid's explanation, because the Ravid proposed a similar framework, that the entire tent is Tameh because it's all in contact with the dead body, but when it comes to Tumas Chiburin, it blocks that someone who touches the outside of the tent is not having direct contact with the dead body. So the Ravid himself proposes this sort of division that when it comes to touching the dead body, the whole tent is viewed as one big vessel. But when it comes to whether someone outside of it had direct contact with the dead body, the tent is considered a barrier. So the same could be true of the Rambam, that the tent itself, all of it touched the dead body. There's no division between the inside and the outside with regard to the tent itself having touched the dead body. But someone touching the tent, which is based on the rule of Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, for that we divide between the inside and the outside, that since the tent is built for inside use, the outside is considered something different. And for Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, there needs to be direct contact with the Tumah, so the outside part of the tent does not fall under that category. So the Rambam would have a very similar framework to the Ravid under this interpretation. But still, Rab Chaim adds that if the Rambam follows the interpretation of the Rash, it's going to go even better because according to the Rash, it's literally two different vessels, the inside and the outside, because the tent itself is a barrier between the two of them. So that makes even more sense within the Rambam that the outside is a totally different vessel. And that's why if someone touches it, it's a lower level of Tumah. But now in the fourth paragraph, Rab Chaim questions his first approach earlier. So far, he's developed two approaches in the Rambam. One is along the lines of the Rash, that the tent itself is a chatzitza, it's a barrier that protects the outside part of the fabric from becoming tameh from the body inside. So that's why someone who touches the outside has a lower level of Tumah. But even so, that only applies to the Cherev HaRehu Kechalal component, not to the tent that actually touched both halves of the dead body, in which case the tent itself does still become Tameh. The second approach is along the lines of the Ravid, that since the tent is built for inside use, so in Halacha we view the fabric as if it's divided and the outside is a separate vessel which did not have direct contact with the dead body, so therefore it's not Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. So Rab Chaim questions the first approach because the Rambam rules that the tent which divides between two halves of a dead body still becomes Tameh. Now, in this case, neither half had the required measurement to create Tumah, so the Tumah in this case is based on the fact that we're combining both halves together to create the Tumah. So this is the halacha of Nogeya v'chozer v'nogeya. If someone touches a small measurement and then another measurement, so we combine them to create Tumah. So the same is happening in this tent. But says Rab Chaim, if the whole theory of why the outside of the tent is not 
not fully Tameh is because the tent itself is a barrier that protects the Tumah from going through. So how can we consider both halves of the Tumah here combined? The whole point of this tent is that it blocks the Tumah from transferring through it. So how can we turn around and say that one half of the Tumah and the other half combined through the tent? The tent is different than a regular case of Nogea v'chozer v'nogea, where someone touches a small measurement and then they touch another small measurement. So we're able to combine those two touchings to create a full amount of Tumah. But here, the very essence of the tent is that it blocks the Tumah from transferring through it. So how can we use the tent in order to create the Tumah? So Rab Chaim is very subtly backtracking on what he had said earlier, even though he addressed this. And he said that there's two components. One is the Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, and one is that the tent itself is touching the dead body. So even though for Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, the tent is a barrier, but when it itself is touching the dead body, it's not a barrier. So Rab Chaim already explained that in the previous paragraph. But now he's adding something very subtle, which is problematic, which is not just that the tent is directly touching both halves of the dead body, in which case we could say that since the tent is in direct contact, it becomes Tameh. But the tent is doing more than that. It's actually combining these two sides of the dead body in order to create the Tumah. So without the tent playing the combining role, there is no Tumah. The tent is the object which brings the two halves together in order to create the Tumah. So that seems to totally counter the role of the tent throughout this halacha that it's a barrier to block the Tumah and now it's being used in the totally opposite way that it's combining the two halves of the Tumah. So that's the new perspective that Rab Chaim introduces in this paragraph. And based on this question, he says that it seems that the real approach is the second one along the lines of the Raivid that the Rambam holds there's a difference between the inside and the outside of the tent because the tent is built for inside use. So the outside is considered like a separate vessel. So therefore it's not in direct contact with the dead body, so for cherev harehu kechalal, it doesn't meet the criteria. But in the case where both sides of the tent are each touching half of Tumah, so it could combine them, because this is not based on cherev harehu kechalal, the tent on either side is directly touching the Tumah, so that's able to combine these two halves. So this question seems to indicate that the second approach in the Rambam is the correct one, as opposed to the first one. But then says Rab Chaim, that even so we could defend the first approach, because even though it's true that it's problematic to say that the tent combines the two halves to create Tumah, but if we have a different perspective on this, what the tent is doing, so then it could make sense. Not that the tent is combining the two halves to create Tumah, but the tent is combining the two halves to create a Kazayas. Because the tent on either side is touching half a Kazayas, so altogether there's a Kazayas here, and then that creates the Tumah. So it's not that through the tent the Tumah is being created, but through the tent a Kazayas minimum measurement is being created. That the tent is able to do because it is true that on either side the tent is touching a half a Kazayas. So altogether there's a full Kazayas. And once there's a Kazayas, then that creates the Tumah. So if we look at it that way, then we could defend the first perspective along the lines of the Rash that the Rambam considers the tent a barrier. It protects the outside from 
from becoming Tameh from the dead body inside, but still in the case where there's a half a measurement of Tumah on either side, even though the tent can't create the Tumah because the tent's role is to block the Tumah, but in this case, the tent can create a Kazayas measurement and then that creates Tumah. So the Rambam could still be explained along the lines of the Rash that the tent is a Chatzitza to protect the outside fabric from becoming fully Tameh. Now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim explains why Cherev HaRehu Kechalal requires direct contact with the dead body. The Mishnah in Negaim chapter 13 says, Tar Shechnis Rosh Rubo Labayis Tameh Nitma. If a person enters their head and a majority of their body into a house with Tzara'as, so they become Tameh. Likewise, if someone brings in a piece of clothing to a house with Tzara'as, so if there's Shalosh Al Shalosh, three by three, which is the minimum measurement for a piece of clothing to get Tumah, less than that, it's not able to become Tameh. So if someone brings in the minimum measurement of a piece of clothing, it also becomes Tameh. Now, the reason a person requires their head and a majority of their body in order to become Tameh is based on the Sifra in Parshas Mitzorah Parakei, that Bia, when the Torah says going into the house is Tameh, refers to a real going in, which means Rosh Rubo, his head and majority. And the Gemara in Nazir and Gimel and Aleph says the same thing, that Bia entering a house of Tzara'as means that he fully entered entirely. But in Halacha, we say Rubo Kekulo, that if a majority happens, it's as if the whole thing happened. So if a majority of the person went in, it's as if he entirely fully went in. Now, when it comes to clothing, it works a little differently because if someone has a very large fabric and they only bring in a small part of it, so long as it's a minimum of three by three, it would still become Tameh, even though it's not a majority of the overall fabric. So Rab Chaim explains the reason for this is because clothing could be cut. So, so long as he brought in the minimum measurement, we view it as if he could have cut that part off and then it would be the entire piece of cloth and it would become Tameh. So even though it's connected to a larger piece of cloth, it's still Tameh. And he says that's how Tosos and Zvachim Tarihem and Aleph explains it. But this all only applies if he brought in the minimum of three by three measurement. If he brought in an area of cloth smaller than that, so even though it's connected to a much larger fabric, it doesn't become Tameh because we're looking at the entire fabric in this case and most of it did not come in. So the small part that went in is considered a biabimiktsas, just a small partial entry. So none of it becomes Tameh. So, so far, all of this makes perfect sense. But now Rab Chaim asks that there is a detail that does not seem to make sense, which is if someone brings in a small part of a large fabric and that small part is three by three, so the whole thing becomes Tameh even though only a small part of it went in. Now, the part that actually went in, it makes sense that it becomes Tameh, as Rab Chaim explained earlier, because you could cut it off and then it would be considered a full fabric on its own. But in the case where it wasn't cut off, it's still attached to the much larger fabric and it goes in, it makes everything Tameh. So why should the much larger area of fabric that did not go into the Tzara's house become Tameh because a small part of it went in, that should be a biabimiktsas. That's just a partial entry. It should not make the rest of the fabric tummy. So Rab Chaim explains that the problem with a biabimiktsas, a partial entry, is that it's not considered an entry. The Torah said that entering a house of tzara'as brings tumah, but if there's no entry, then there's no tumah. So if the person only went
went in a little bit, that's not considered an entry, and therefore there's no Tumah. But this limitation doesn't apply in the case of clothing, because once he brings in an area of cloth, which is three by three, so that's considered an entry, as we said, because he could cut it off and it would be Tameh. So once he brings that in, that is considered a valid entry, even though it's only a small percentage of the overall fabric. And once there's a valid entry, then the whole thing becomes Tameh, even though only a small part of it became Tameh. But that's how Tumah generally works, that if a small part of the object becomes Tameh, the entire object is Tameh. So in this case, the same is true. Once that small area of three by three became Tameh, the rest of the fabric follows and it's all Tameh. And even though when it comes to a person, we require a majority to enter the house of Tzara'as for there to be Tumah, that's because of the criteria of Bia. The entry requires a majority. But in this case, where there could be a valid entry, even with just a small part of the fabric, because it could be cut off, so there is Tumah created by bringing in that small three by three area of fabric. And once there's a valid entry, the whole thing becomes tummy. So now using this model, Reb Chaim says that we see from here that even though there was not an entry for the entire fabric, in fact, the Bia, the entry was only on a small part of the fabric. So it's Bia B'Miktas, it's a partial entry, which is not considered an entry for the whole thing. But even so, since the part of the fabric that came into the Tzara'as house fulfilled the criteria of Bia, so it became Tameh, so the whole thing becomes Tameh because the Tumah travels from the small part of fabric that went in to the rest of the fabric that did not go in. So the same, says Rab Chaim, is true in the case of our tent. Since there was a dead body under the inside of the tent, so it created Tumah on the inside part of the fabric, so the Tumah should travel throughout the entire fabric, including the outside part. It's the same situation here, that even though the outside part of the fabric was not technically an Ohel, so it didn't become Tameh on its own, but since the inside part of the fabric was an ohel, so it became tameh, so it should make the rest of the fabric, even the outside, tameh. So using this framework, we see that there are times when only a part of the fabric becomes tameh. The rest of it did not meet the criteria for becoming tameh. But since one part of it became tameh, it then travels to the rest. So now that we understand the process more clearly, says Rab Chaim, this explains very nicely why we don't apply cherev harei in this case, because since the outside of the tent actually was not an ohel, only the inside part was an ohel. The reason the outside part is tame is because the tuma travels from the inside part to the outside part, so we don't apply cherev harehu kechalal to traveling tuma. In order to be cherev harehu kechalal, the object has to become tame in the standard original way, meaning it's an ohel or it touches the dead body, something that's an original form of tuma. So that only applies to the inside part of the tent. But an object that becomes Tameh just because the Tumah traveled from one part of the object to the other, so that would not be included in Cherev HaRehu Kechalal. So that explains very nicely what Rab Chaim's been saying throughout, that Cherev HaRehu Kechalal would not apply to the outside part of the fabric, which is a secondary form of Tumah. So now he's providing the explanation for this. He's just been saying it throughout the piece, but now he provided a very nice rationale for it. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation for the Rambam and the 
Raivid, their differing approaches to explain this Mishnah about the slope of a tent. And he goes through each of the interpretations carefully and does a beautiful job showing how they make sense of all the cases in the Mishnah. And he answers the major problems with the Rambam's approach. The major conceptual issue that Rab Chaim touches on is the debate between the Raivid and the Rash as to why we view the outside and the inside of the tent as separate. According to the Raivid, it's because the tent is built for inside use, so the outside of the fabric is considered a different vessel. And according to the Rash, it's because the tent itself is a chatzitza, it protects the outside of the fabric from becoming fully tameh. And as part of this, Rab Chaim discusses how the two small halves of Tumah are able to combine through the tent. So at first he suggests that there's a difference between Cherev HaRehu Kechalal, where the tent serves as a barrier, versus where it's actually touching the Tumah, that it's not a barrier. And alternatively, he formulates this idea that Cherev HaRehu Kechalal requires direct contact with the Tumah. But then Rab Chaim questions how the tent could combine the two small halves of Tumah to create the Tumah. So he offers a different perspective that the tent combines the two small halves to create a minimum shear of kazayis, and that brings the toma. And finally, Rab Chaim refines this idea that cherev harehu kechalal requires direct contact with the toma because otherwise the toma is just traveling through the fabric or through the vessel, and that does not create cherev harehu kechalal. In order to have cherev harehu kechalal, the vessel has to become tame in one of the original traditional ways of becoming tame.